God is good. And all the time. Hallelujah. He's good. We need to continue to obey the Lord as we have done in the past few nights that we have been together. And uh, let God continue to magnify Himself. Uh, to do the things that He wants to do and to help us and to instruct us and to cause us to know His power and His goodness and His glory. So I'm going to start out by obeying the Lord and just... Uh, I don't come to pray for you. I'm done praying for you. There's no need to pray for you anymore. I command that to leave your body. In the name of the Lord Jesus, from the beginning of this time, I told this thing I would speak to it. You have no ability to stand in the presence of Jesus in me. You must submit to the power of God and the authority in my voice. I command you to leave her body. I command it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I command every lump, every bump, any node, every nodule, the swelling, the inflammation, the cause of it to depart your body. I command it to go to the pits of hell from where it was dreamed. In the name of Jesus, I command you to be free. I will not stop speaking this until it is done because it has been commanded of heaven. It has been commanded of God. It is not my word, but His word in me. In the name of Jesus, you must go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you know, if you can keep everybody where they belong, most of the time you can get a lot of things accomplished. And um, I feel like the Lord has a lot of things for a lot of people tonight. I don't know where He's going to go with them or where He's going to bring that to you, but... I do know that he's ready, and I, I, this is uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, went nine, this is nine, this is nine, and it feels like more, feels like we're going to do more, don't know that for certain, we'll find out exactly when we get to the end of the service, but I, I'm thinking a couple, two, three, four, five more, whether that's services or weeks, I don't know yet, but I just want you to know, so remember that you brought this up, you've, you've sought him, you've desired him, you've You've wanted him until he wants to take care of your needs. And so that's what he's going to do. But there's a lot of things here. And um, God's not playing. This is not a game to him. This is very serious business. And, and I want you to know that he, uh, he acknowledges your sacrifice for being here. A lot of people just wouldn't do it. It's unheard of. Nine services in a row. That's unheard of in today's church. It's unheard of. <laughs> that only comes from hungry people. Hungry people who are experiencing revival stay in nine services in a church. And if this is not your ninth service, that's, I'm sorry, you missed. But uh, you can make it up. We'll be here for a while longer. You can, uh, you can get it done. And if you find that particularly offensive, that's too bad because I don't care. But anyhow, that's just how it needs to be. And we do realize there are circumstances and situations. But I'm telling you, if you don't know what you miss... You will never know what God wanted to do on that moment that you weren't in that place where he could do what he wanted to do in your life. And remember that the enemy specializes you in taking you out of key moments in your life. You understand this? He doesn't know what God's going to do and he doesn't know when God's going to do it. But he knows it's likely that God, if he gets you into his presence, is going to do something that you need him to do. So the enemy will stop at nothing to remove you. 
And it'll come through extraordinary circumstances. And it will come through ordinary circumstances. That the enemy will find ways to distract you. Um, we used to understand in the church that when revival actually came, everything else in the world stopped. Do you know that? We used to understand in the church when revival actually came. Now, we have a lot of meetings and series of meetings, and it's not revival. We call it revival. They put the banner outside and hang a sign up, and they call it revival, but it's not revival. It's just a series of meetings. But you are in revival. We are in revival. There's something happening inside here. We're seeing manifestations on a daily basis. I've been throwing that at the devil because from the very first day that I got here, someone had the audacity to tell me that God would show no manifestations in this revival because of some of their twisted mentality or dogma, doctrine, or theology. So I've been telling God, everything that you do, I'm going to call attention to it every day, God, that you're doing things, and there is manifestation here, which means God is in the midst of it. So you're always going to find somebody who disagrees, somebody who dissents. That's fine. That's good. That's your opinion. But let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? And so it is. So we praise God. And I just I feel like before we get out here tonight, God's going to speak to some people. I feel like that before we get out here tonight, God's going to set somebody free. Somebody is in store for deliverance tonight. And you don't know it. Somebody who doesn't really know the Lord like they need to, you're going to know Him. Somebody who doesn't know Him at all, you're going to, you're going to know Him. And some of you who are bound up with things in your life and you have demonic activity in your life, I'm, I'm after that devil tonight. I need you to know that. And so... More importantly, Jesus in me is after that demon tonight, and so I believe that God's going to do it. I'm not afraid of ghosts or demons or omens or skunks or snakes or anything else. I don't like them, but I'm not afraid of them. Amen. Amen. And uh, spiders, that's different, but, this, but God's bigger than that too. I'm just saying, I just want to let you know, that, you know, God knows what He's doing. And so, uh, if you feel pursued tonight, a little uncomfortable, a little awkward tonight, that's okay, I want you to. I want you to feel a little uncomfortable tonight, a little awkward tonight. I want you to feel like somebody's watching you tonight because God is. He's watching you tonight. He's got a wonder for you this evening. He's got a miracle. He's got a sign. He's got a wonder for you. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of waiting to see whether you're going to let him do what he wants to do in your life tonight. And uh, there are some of you tonight, Jesus is going to ask you. And uh, because he asks you, you're going to surrender. You're going to let him do it. And there's others of you he's going to treat like the Apostle Paul. He's not going to ask you anything. He's going to knock you down the middle of the road and tell you this is what's going to happen, big boy, and that's the way it's going to be. Amen. You know that? The Apostle Paul didn't, Jesus didn't ask him, oh, just as you are, would you come? No. He knocked him down and said, I'm the one you're persecuting. Get up. You are now my servant. Yep. <laughs> that's New Testament doctrine, New Testament theology right there. We don't, we don't do that. God's going to get a hold of some people and say, you've got no choice. Just going to do it. Just here's, here's what we're going to do, and here's how you're going to do it. And, and if you don't want to, you might wander blinded for a little while. If you don't want to do exactly what you, God wants you to do, you might just wander uh, uh, a while blind until you get straightened up on a street called straight. Might send you down into somebody's house that's, used to making tents and different things of that nature, and go find some weak little child of God strong enough to hear him. We'll go see the big bad man that Jesus just saved. So I just feel God, I feel God get a little stirred with me. You know, I've worshipped him. I've started to cry a little bit. I thought I'm not going to do that. I'm not losing it tonight. I'm, 
Not going to do that. I, I talked with your pastor for a while on the phone this evening right before church. We had, a, we had a long talk together and a long cry together. He'll tell you we didn't cry, but he's a liar. He'll lie to you about crying. Yeah, he did. We sniffled a little bit together. I think he cried a little more than I did, but I'm a bigger man than he is. But anyhow, that's just one of those. I say that, I say that because I love him, and I told him I'm going to talk about you every night. I'll make sure that I talk about you every night because I love him and I miss him. And um, he made it as far as saying, I wish I was walking up those steps tonight. And that's as far as he took it. Didn't go much farther. And I said, well, my brother, I heard Jesus tell you that very shortly he's going to bring that to pass. You don't have much longer to stay in this particular mindset and place and where you are. God's going to bring it to pass. He's going to provide everything that's needed for you to be standing here. And he said, I just want you to go and, and uh, you know, have, enjoy the service. I said, we're just going to go do what you would do. We're just going to act like you taught everybody to act, and we know how to do it. So come home and continue to lead us, and he's going to do that very shortly. Uh, however, tonight, uh, that's enough about Bill. This, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. Don't worry about no more about Bill. <laughs> when you got friends like me, you, don't re you really don't need enemies. You don't. You really don't. So, uh, But it, it's been a wonderful day, a wonderful day in the Lord, and We've had some time to spend before the Lord, and, and I've, I've kind of been overwhelmed by what God has been doing, the things that I've seen Him do, and especially uh, among the youth. Um, something begins to take place when Jesus begins to walk among the youth. He begins to do things and, and bestow his, his ministry and His calling on the young people at very early ages. Uh, to make them know that he has something in their life. This comes because that these young people are being trained, not only in their church, but in their homes. They have parents that are, that are godly and teaching them. Uh, and so it allows the Lord to open a door to begin to move in their lives. Uh, and if, you're, if your young person has not been right in the forefront of what's going on, watching the other ones be blessed will cause them to be hungry for the things of God. Don't prevent them. I know, that you, I know that you get your kids up here to dance. Uh, Y'all watch the parents as they teach their kids to dance and dance with them. That's wonderful. But also when it comes to ministry, your children get hungry for ministry, and they tell you they want to lay hands on somebody. They want to pray for somebody. They want to uh, minister to somebody. Don't prevent them. Let them uh, minister as God would direct them because, you see, all they have in their hearts is faith. They haven't learned to doubt Him yet. They haven't learned to uh, think that he won't. Whatever that Jesus says he will do, and you've taught them that, they believe it. While you look to see whether or not God did what you asked him to do, they believe it's done whether they see it or not. It's real faith and childlike faith. And so we praise God for that because he's, he's moving. And when I see God do things like that, I, um, I marvel because... Um, yeah, the Lord said that you and I, in our subverted states, you and I in our states of doubt, trying to believe, must become like a little child to be in the kingdom of God. Now, sometimes we take that just in the salvation perspective of that it takes that to get saved. But Jesus was talking about you must become like a little child, have the mentality in the faithful child to operate in the kingdom of God. It doesn't take anything to get in the kingdom of God. Jesus paid the price for that. 
But it takes something out of you to operate in the kingdom of God. And that is that simple childlike faith that somehow uh, once we've got our hands burnt one or two times or something doesn't come to pass just like we thought that it would, we begin to doubt God and little children don't do that. I remember, and, 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 and I've told you, and I'm going to start out tonight, and I'm going to get to the Word because i got something that I feel like God wants us to know right here at this place because this is going to go on for a little bit. Now, I don't know how long that is, and I don't know what the makeup of the, of the congregation or the speaker is going to be as we go on, but the, this is going to go on for a while. We may have to go and come again, and others may go and come again. I don't know what God's going to do, but this thing is going to go on. So uh, there's some things that you need to know at key points along the way uh, so that you can fasten yourself to that, so that you can hold on to it, so that you can uh, put down stakes there, that you can plant your feet. I heard God tell a man last night, plant your feet. And sometimes, uh, you know, we, we, we look around for what God means, but spiritually there comes a place where God says, you've got to plant your feet. Uh, therefore, having done all to stand, stand therefore. There comes a place where you have to plant your feet. You have to say, this is the line and I'm not moving from it. And I, I remember uh, that I've told you and, and God spoke to my heart that any time that you begin uh, to emphasize your past, and you begin to mark your present by your past, you don't have any future. And we've discussed a time or two that the present, and I've discussed really maybe in a private setting, but you need to understand this, and I know that I've probably preached it before, taught it before, the present can't really be measured. You can't measure the present. You can measure the past. You can measure at the future, but you cannot measure the present. It happens instantaneously, and it is gone. It cannot be measured. So the only thing we really have is our past and our future. Everything in our present is either remembered from the past or is looking forward to the future. It's either dragging us back to the best day we ever had or projecting us forward to a better day that is yet to come. So we have to live not only in this right now season, but we have to understand that uh, I want to remember the past, I want to remember the foundation of the past, but I don't want to live in it. All right? I want to live in the future. And so... Um, it's been a very long period of time and for a few times, uh, you know, in my life that I've seen God really begin to work in, in very young children. Um, I remember a young lady, uh, one time who was, uh, she was seven years old and was in the second church that I had pastored in my life and she was seven years old and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, one of those situations way back, it's in my second church, but way, way back. Well, I don't like to think about how way back of it is way back. And uh, times were different. But uh, we didn't have uh, cell phones, iPods, iPads, e-pads, whatever else pad there is out there. We didn't have them. Uh, there was no games, electronic games. Not saying there's anything wrong with those. We didn't have those. Uh, you know, so you, you just had to, kids had to be imaginative and things of that nature. But... When they came to church, there was nothing to pacify them. And we didn't come to church for 15 minutes or an hour and a half. We came to church and you stayed all day and you stayed all night and the kids still had to go to school and they had all kind of things to do and all of that. But when we came to church, you came to church. You know, and if God was merciful to let you out after an hour and a half like He was last night, you could go out rejoicing. But if it was midnight or one or two in the morning and... You know, the saints were still slayed out in the floor and the kids would be asleep while you, you went home then and you went on with your life. And 
and all those things. It was a little girl. She's seven years old. She had long black hair, and it was down just below her knees because way back young days, women didn't cut their hair. Okay? You know, they didn't cut their hair. All that. I'm certainly glad for the cutting of the hair today. I like it, but I'm just saying, back then they didn't, and so that meant that the little girls didn't cut their hair. And this long, black-headed little seven-year-old girl, and I'd come into this church, and it was so wonderful because everybody there was about 150 years old, and we started getting some families in there that, you know, had like little children and stuff come in. I was just elated. I was excited. And if I couldn't get the 150-year-old people to do anything, well, at least I could get the young people excited. Years of our life, my wife and I spent as youth pastors, and we always had very large youth groups. We spent a lot of time among the youth, so youth has always been very important to me. I associate with them. That's why I'm so young and hot, even at my age, because I stay among the youth. And that's I dressed a more bow tie for Jesus tonight, because I feel very, very youthful and things of that nature. So anyways, I am. Thank you. So anyhow, uh, this little girl uh, came to church, and... Um, as, as it always has been, her mother and daddy were having a real bad problem. Her daddy was a drunk. He was an alcoholic, and he worked every day of his life to do the best that he could, but he was drunk every day of his life, and he'd come home, and he'd beat uh, her mama and her couple of brothers and sisters. And this little girl uh, started getting on fire for God. She'd come to church, and people would try to set her back, but she was in the altar. She was weeping and crying. Every time the altar came over, she would get up in the altar, and she would weep and cry, and and all of a sudden, it happened one night that the Lord baptized her in the Holy Ghost at seven years old. She started speaking in tongues. And this wasn't child's play. She wasn't trying to mimic no one else. The power of God got in this little girl. And so we, we got in a revival. And this revival, you know, had gone on now for, you know, about a week and a half, going on to two weeks. And this little girl, she would come up and she would weep and cry. And I did like I always do. I said, honey, what do you want? I was down in front of her. And, and I said, baby, what do you want? She said, I want my, for my daddy to be saved. And, um, and, you know, her mother would try to conjole her. Your daddy's a mean man, and, you know, but, you know, honey, you just keep praying and everything. And she would not let go that she wanted her daddy to be saved. And he had left and, you know, and was not even living at home with him. If he did come home, it was a beating and all that kind of thing. And so we got in this revival, and this little seven-year-old girl stood up one night, and she said, Mommy, she said, I believe Jesus has led me to fast. Seven-year-old. I believe Jesus led me to fast. And she knew that if she'd ask her mom, she wouldn't do anything, but she got up and stood beside me, was tugging on my jacket, and she said, if uh, that time, pastor says it's okay, can I fast? Because I want my daddy to be saved. And the mom kind of looked at her, and I just got involved like I do. I meddle. I meddle in everybody's business. It don't make no difference who you are. I'm going to meddle if I find out something. I said, you know, mom, you need to let her fast. <laughs> well, but she's seven years old. And I said, let her fast. I said, honey, how do you want to fast? She said, I don't want to eat nothing. She says, I want to drink water, I want to eat nothing. A seven-year-old child. Well, what am I going to say to the kindergarten people at the school and the first graders, however old seven-year-old, you know, they got to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you let her fast. And I said, hey, why are you going to fast? She said, because I believe that before this revival's over, my daddy's going to come through that back door and he's going to get saved. And everybody started boo-hooing and kicking, kittle coddling her, you know, just like poor little child. She's retarded. She don't know what's going on. Can't possibly happen. Ain't no way in the world that's ever going to happen. Yah, 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 yah. And that's what we do. Oh, but she was up there with her long black hair, tears, speaking in tongues, believing God, and they let her start fasting. Let her start fasting. And we went through almost three weeks of revival. We came to the very last night of revival on a Sunday night. 
And we came in that church house. I felt little girl had fasted seven days, no food, just water. With people praying for seven years old, on her own, by her own, she come in there and service time came at six o'clock and the service started, but her daddy was not in the church. And she was up at the altar just like she was every night. She'd start from the time service started and she wouldn't go home until they made her get up from the altar and go home through the preaching, through the singing, through the dancing, whatever, just as serious as could be. She was up there crying and praying and everybody was getting all, you know how people get all, oh, bless her heart, look what she did. She fasted for seven days. She's so sincere, oh, bless her heart, but Jesus didn't hear her, he didn't answer. And she just kept right on praying and I don't even remember what I preached on that night. It's been that long ago. And I got up and I remember preaching. And I remember being overcome in my heart with this little girl thinking, Oh my God, Jesus, you've got to do something for this child. We went all the way down to almost the closing word and the closing song. There wasn't hardly anything left to do. We got all the way down to the end of it, got ready to dismiss church. And we heard the doors bust open in the back of the church. One of them almost halfway off its hinges. And in through the door came this little girl's daddy. And he never stopped at the last few. He didn't stop till he slid into the altar down in front of the church, weeping and begging God to forgive him. As his little old seven-year-old girl put her hand over on his back and began to pray for her daddy. And Jesus, glorious, he saved that man. And he's preaching the gospel tonight somewhere. I'm sure he is. When I see, when I see Jesus begin to move in the youth, when I see the youth cry real tears and ask, would you, would you ask God to do this for me again? <laughs> then I know that God, see, I feel him, I feel him. You need to pray I can preach tonight because if not, God's going to tear it all up in here. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm telling you is that, that God is real. And, and you see, what I'm saying is I didn't say that to take you back to my past. I wanted to bring you to our present and our future. What God did 30 years ago He's doing right now tonight in Teleco Plains, Tennessee at Monroe County Christian Center right here with the youth that are in this house. And you may not think anybody else can come through those doors and get saved, but they believe that this church can fill up with souls. And they believe that every dream and vision that pastors had or that any of the ministers have had, that it can come to pass right here in this place. God will always begin to go to the youth when He wants somebody to believe Him because He knows that they will. Timothy was a young man, but Jesus said, Make sure that you let no man despise your youth. Some of us just get too old for our britches, and that's the problem. We forget that God can still do everything that He said He can do, and He doesn't need our permission, and He doesn't need our acceptance, but He needs somebody even if it's a child, to say, Jesus, this is all I want. I'm fixed on it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care what anybody else says. This is all I want. And I'm fixated on it till I'll pay the price. When a seven-year-old will pay the price of fasting, water only, for seven days, and receive her promise at the midnight hour when everybody else had given up. Jesus didn't let her down. Amen. And He won't let us down tonight. Don't change your mind. Now that God has got your mind where it needs to be, if 
If you've come in for nine services and haven't figured it out yet what God wants us to do, then you need to change buses to go to school. Am I being polite enough but direct enough that you can't understand what I'm saying? If we have come through nine services and you do not yet have it in your mind what God wants you to do, change buses. Don't be ashamed of the little bus. Get on it. That might be all you get this evening. But anyways, you just remember that. God is being direct. And I mean nothing negative to anybody. I'm just telling you that some of us need to own up, okay? Don't change your mind. Now that God has got your mind where, where you can hear Him, where you can receive from Him, and you, He's got your mind thinking right, and He's got you clear, and He's got you focused. I've heard several people say that God has got them focused. That He's given them direction. And, and I know that he's leading us and guiding us and giving us direction. So I want to tell you that there comes a place and a time. I'm going to try to hurry through this word because God wants to talk to you tonight. And he's going to talk to you through the word. and He might do all kinds of things there, but God wants to speak to people tonight. There's somebody going to get free tonight. Somebody going to walk out of here without a bondage on their life that they walked in with. Because God's going to do it. Uh, in our life and service to the Lord, our obedience to his word... Following his instructions and his directions, as well as being in his perfect will, are probably the most important and far-reaching things for his best for us. We need to be obedient to what God says. And when we know that we've heard the voice of the Lord, we've we got to become fixated on that. And, and we have to stand on that word. Sometimes that one word from God is all you have. That's all you have for the journey that is ahead of you. It's like the... The prophet of old, it's, it's like, you know, being shut up in the cave and, and, and running from your problems like Elijah was, but God had a plan for him, had a, uh, and he prepared him away. And several times the Lord came to him and said, you know, I've got you a cake of bread fixed here, and I've got you some water. Get up and eat and drink, because the journey's too great for you. Sometimes God has a, a word, the bread of life. And you need to hold on to that word in the middle of this revival, not just for what you've come through or where you are, but for what you're about to go through. And that doesn't mean something negative. A lot of people lose out with God in the good times. You need that word of God when you're being blessed so greatly that you don't think you need Him. We don't always give up on God when things are bad, my brother, and when things don't look like they can be done. But when God overflows us with blessing... So much so that I think I've got everything I need. I don't really need God. You don't say that, but that is the attitude that you take. Sometimes those are the times that we lose out. If God's getting ready to overwhelm you with what you think you had lack of, if God is getting ready to overwhelm you with abundance and that that you thought you had lack of, be careful that you don't lose Him in your blessing. God help me not to give examples because I'll offend everybody that I haven't offended yet this evening. Like when God gives you that job making $5 an hour more than what you was making before but now you ain't got time to come to God's house. Yeah. Yeah, I told you you'd be offended. Some of you did it for a buck more an hour. Uh -huh. God don't ever bless you with something that gets more important than Him. God don't ever bless you with something that gets more important with Him. He's just going to require bigger sacrifice for you to, to walk in it. Go ahead. Ask Him for more. 
But understand when you get more, the devil will find a way to try to take you away from him. He'll let the blessing become more important to you than the blesser. Come on now. Once we know and understand what Jesus would have for us as we journey, we a made up mind, a steadfast, uh, unmovable heart is the key to getting from where we are to where we need to be. I don't know about you, but I'm on a journey tonight. I'm tired of where I've been. I, I, I know I had a great past, and I can tell you all kinds of things from my past, and I've got a great present right now. Things are going on. They're off the hook at home, and they've been off the hook here. Everywhere that I am, my present is great. God is doing awesome things. But I'm tired of this place. I don't like this place no more. I want to move on to what God has for me. Do you understand what I mean? I'm not satisfied with where I am. I need for God to take me into the greater things and the greater measure. God won't ever take me backward. God won't ever take you backward. He is a God of increase. Everywhere that He leads you, He must lead you into more and more. The Bible says we move from faith unto faith and glory unto glory. We don't never move into any negativity. We move from faith to faith and glory to glory. So we have to understand that don't get comfortable where you are. Amen. We've been pretty blessed. So much so that every time we leave here at night, we say, we'll be back here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Oh, it's good. The only way you get people back at 7 o'clock tonight is he got good at 7 o'clock last night. But if it doesn't get better and better and better, it's not gooder and gooder and gooder. Do you understand what I mean? I need for God to take me to a greater place than this. I need to see more miracles. A miracle makes me hunger for more miracles. Wonders make me hunger for more wonders. Deliverance makes me hunger for more deliverance. The presence of Jesus makes me hungry for more of the presence of Jesus. I, I don't like where I am. As a bishop, we're having a great revival. You're part of it. Yeah, but I don't like where I am. It's not good enough yet. It ain't good enough. One of the biggest dangers that we have is we get satisfied where we are. Oh, it's good. I'm better than I was last week. I'm so glad he changed me from last week. If you can't tell a difference from last Wednesday night to tonight, you really are unaware of things. There is a difference right now. But it ain't good enough. If we do not have the confidence that tomorrow will be better than tonight, we'll stop right here. And it'll last no longer than it takes for the glory of this service to wear off. And we'll start nagging again and picking again and judging again and carrying on again and doubting again. No, 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 no. How you prevent that is not saying, man, wasn't that a great revival? No, no, no. What you need to tell people is, my God, we're still in revival. It's getting better every service. You want to come? Come on over. We got room for you. And if we don't have room, we'll knock the wall out and make room for you. Wall needs knocked out anyhow. Come on in. We'll make room for you to get in. You understand what I'm saying? We need to go. Once God has got us, and once He's changed our mind, once he, he's, he's spoken revival into us, and we understand we're in the middle of revival, we need to make sure that we go on. We have a steadfast mind. We have a steadfast heart. We're unmovable in getting from where we are to where God wants us to be. God has prophesied to us. He's spoken to us in prayer. He's spoken to us in the words. I've heard people talk about dreams and visions that God has given them. They may not understand them, but He gave them to them. And if they concentrate on God, will show them the meaning of the dream. But God has spoken to us. You know why we're here tonight? Somebody got the harebrained idea that God won't give us revival. Last Wednesday night, we were going to have service starting Saturday. You will remember, right? 
But somebody got the harebrained idea, why don't we just start now? Right? Well, I mean, if someone probably thought it was you, probably somebody in the state we were in last Wednesday night, probably somebody probably thought that ain't God. But I think you can say tonight on Wednesday night, now it's been God. God put it in somebody's heart. God put it in somebody's mind. Let's just go ahead and get started. Why do we got to wait till Saturday? If revival's in us, if God be God, he wants to do it right now. Boy, has he shown up, and he's not done. We're just getting started. We're just building up yet. It's just building. We've been operating in about 440 around here every night, 660, 880, whatever, how far you can go up. And, and, and it, it has to build. Someone's got to flip the switch. It's got to build. But when it starts letting loose, look out. It's something else. God has helped us. And in the times that the prophecy didn't carry us, in the times that the preached word didn't carry us, and in the times that the dreams and the visions didn't carry us, he divinely picked us up and bore us along in his arms till he could get us where he wants us to be. And that is tonight right here. Because we're about ready to launch into the next part of whatever this revival is that God has for us. So I need to tell you tonight that when we get a made-up mind that this is what God wants. What is that made-up mind, Bishop? God wants us in revival. <laughs> God doesn't want us to have revival. He wants us in revival. We're not having revival, we're in revival. There's a difference. When we get a mind made up and we get where we need to be, you get a made up mind that you know what God wants you to have, you won't let nothing stop you. You need to understand that there's people that should be dead today. And people, I'll be dead today. But you know why they won't die? Because they've got a will inside them that says, I ain't dying. I don't care what they say, what they do, don't care what works, what don't work. I ain't going nowhere because I believe God. You get a made-up mind. Your will can take you a lot of places. Let me get the word to you. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 tonight. The Bible says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. Proverbs 23 and 7, for those of you who do not have electronic device and are using the old Bibles uh, that Pastor Bill prefers, I have one right up here in case somebody wants to question it, but I'm using this over here. Anyhow, Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. That means whatever you got in your mind, whatever the thought is in your heart, if it's made up, that's who you are. That's what you are. Everybody else can tell you stink, but if you don't think you stink, you don't stink. Might stink to you, but I don't stink. You understand what I'm saying? All right. When we have a mind made up to do what God told us to do, You've been here and you've made all of the services and most of the services this revival so far. You've got a made up mind. It cried out. Your body cried out this morning, 4 o'clock, when you got up. Yeah, it did. It cried out whenever you went to work today. It cried out when you came home. It cried out when you had to rush through your dinner if you had any dinner so you could come to church. Now, your body cried out. But you, your made up mind said, I'm going to go. I'm going to find out what's going on. I don't care whether the bishop preaches or not. I'm going to go find out what God's going to do. You've got a made-up mind. Amen. When you get a made-up mind, nothing will stop you. Amen. When we do what God has called us to do and we uh, decide we're going to be what God has called us to be, we become unstoppable. I want to tell you, don't change your mind. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, we read the story about the Tower of Babel. I think Miss Kim started getting in it the other day and she got all jacked up a little bit. You know, last Wednesday night, she wasn't feeling very well. 
This Wednesday night, she feels a lot better. I believe she's prettier tonight than she was last Wednesday. Of course, I don't have anything compared to because I wasn't here last Wednesday night, but I do believe you're better looking than you were then, and I say that only with the very best possible intentions towards you. But I want you to know that the reason that she looks so good is she hasn't made up in her mind that she's well, she's whole, and, and there ain't nothing going to stop that. And so, so while in the midst of her strength, when she got some strength, she decided to trot her little self across the front of the church, take the microphone, and, and, and do some of that preaching that she does. You know, now I remember Bill saying we could probably have church about two hours if Kim didn't preach after her song. But now Bill's saying, I don't want nothing more than Kim preaching after every song. Do you understand what I'm saying? So she decided she'd trot herself across the church and preach a little bit to you. And she just happened to bring up about Tower of Babel. And I said, well, go ahead, girl, because I've been thinking about that anyhow. And we know it's going to fit in. I didn't know when God was going to do it, but I knew that it was going to come here. In, in Genesis chapter 11 and 4, at the Tower of Babel, God said nothing would be restrained from them because their mind was made up. They had become one in mind, one in heart, and one in language. And I want you to know that they were doing what was against the will of God. They weren't in God's will. They were out of God's will. But God said they have become of one mind and one heart and one language. And even though they're totally out of my will, they don't have any of my help, nothing will be restrained from them. What this tells us is we ought not to get out of the mind or the will of God, but it does say that God has put something in the mind and the will of man that when you become determined to do something, won't nothing stop you. Death can't stop you. Life can't stop you. Sickness can't stop you. Money can't stop you. The lack of money can't stop you. Your husband can't stop you. Your wife can't stop you. Your children can't stop you. Nothing can stop you when you get a made-up mind. Don't change your mind. Once you get hold of what God wants to do in your life and once He gets you on that place that you're in line with the Word of God and full of the Holy Ghost, don't you change your mind. Amen. You keep going no matter what anybody says. Your mindset means everything. In Job chapter 23, verses 10 through 14, it's a powerful piece of Scripture. I tried to read it three or four times today, but I, I cried everywhere, I, every couple words, so I'm going to try to do my best to do this without crying for you tonight. But in Job chapter 23... Verses 10 through 14, the Bible says, But he knoweth the way that I take. God said, But he knoweth the way that I take. There's nothing about where you are that God don't know. If he led you where you are, it's, you're here because he led you there. If you got yourself here, he knows where you are. He knows the way that I take. Hell is not in control of your footsteps tonight. He knows. God knows the way that you take. Don't change your mind. The devil will come along where you are in your blessing and tell you that ain't God. He'll come along in your healing and tell you that ain't God. He'll come along in whatever delay is in your life and tell you that ain't God. But I want you to know that God knows where you are. God has a perfect plan and you're not here by accident. We are not here by accident tonight. He knows the way that we take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God's perfecting your way. It may not look perfect to you, and it may not look perfect to your neighbor. And God knows everybody in the world can judge you for it. But God has you in His way. And He's trying your way. And He's perfecting your way. And the day's going to come that you're going to come forth as pure gold because it's God that is perfecting your way. You don't have to worry about what anybody else says. It's God that's perfecting your way. Don't change your mind. Just because things look a little hard don't mean it's not God. There's nothing looked harder than the cross and it was God. You understand what I'm saying? 
There was nothing looked harder than the crucifixion, and there's nothing ever been, but it was God all the way. Just because it don't look like God don't mean it's not God. Well, surely not. God's not in charge of my sickness. No, that's surely not God, but your healing is. Your healing belongs to God, and He knows how He's going to bring you out because He knows your way. God, I didn't know I'd have to walk this way. No, but God knows your way. I didn't know that when I come out of this, I'm going to be strong enough that nothing like this will ever attack me again. And I'll be able to help everybody else that's walking down the road I used to walk in. That's right, because God is perfecting your way. Don't change your mind. My foot hath held his steps. You're walking in the way that Jesus walked. God took me back to the other night and said, remember when I went up there and laid down on the floor and you did your best the next night to get up there where I was at so you could lay down. You just remember this. I've already walked where you're walking. I've walked there. I know how to deal with it and I'm walking with you in it. Don't change your mind. The church is full of losers that have changed their mind. The world is full of losers that have changed their mind. Something comes along good enough or bad enough to make you change your mind. Don't change your mind. His way have I kept, and I have not declined. I've walked here, God. When everyone else gave up, I walked here. When everyone else declined, you had the same opportunity to decline when other people declined. You had the same opportunity to walk off when everyone else walked off. You had the same opportunity, but you didn't. You kept your way. Don't change your mind. All hell's trying to do is change your mind. Don't let hell change your mind. God set my feet in this direction. God planted me here. Hell ain't going to change my mind. Never have I gone back from the commandment of His lips. I have esteemed the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. But He is of one mind. Job said, but God is of one mind. He is in perfect unity with Himself. He is all one. He is altogether one. And there's no, there's no darkness in Him. There's no variableness, the Bible says. Neither shadow of turning. Everything that He has ever said, Daniel Freeman, He's saying today. Everything He's ever thought, He's thinking now. He has never changed His mind. He said, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes His mind. God is of one mind. He is unique. He is unified. And Job said he is of one mind. Don't change your mind. My God. Hold on now. Hold on. He is of one mind. He is unique, Job said. And who can turn him? You think you can get God to change his mind? You think you can get God to change his mind? Can you be good enough, bad enough? hard enough, happy enough, sad enough to get God to change His mind. Can anybody else get God to change His mind about you? No, absolutely not. You can't. God won't change His mind. But you know what? He said we have to get like Him. We have to become single-minded like Him. We have got to become unique in that way. And you know what is, is really bad about people today? We don't have very many unique people left in the world. Everybody trying to be somebody else. Let someone walk across the stage with their pants hanging down below their butt. Everybody got their pants down below their butt. Someone put on a pair of furry house shoes and walk down the street with a tuxedo and furry house shoes on. Next thing you know, everybody going to church in a tuxedo and furry house shoes. Huh? 
Let everybody get into big western wear. You know, wearing a cowboy hat and my six-shooters. Some people just do it because of the guns, but I want you to know everybody be wearing cowboy hat and six-shooters just because it's the thing to do. It wouldn't surprise me if ten of you come to church tomorrow night in a bow tie. Anybody know why I got a bow tie on? Because I'm Pentecostal. Time my bow tie, I'm time my bow tie, bow, bow, bow tie, bow, bow tie. It's in, if you say that enough, if you say that enough in a church, someone will bow their head and go look for an interpretation. <laughs> okay, well, anyhow. We don't have very many. We don't have very many. We don't have very many. I was trying to see bibs with a bow tie. It don't work. Anyhow. We don't have any unique people left in the world. Everybody's trying to be somebody else. Everybody's trying to be somebody else. Why don't you just be who you are? Now listen, when you go do something crazy to make yourself different, that's not what I'm talking about. Why don't you just be who God wants you to be? Instead of trying to be somebody else's idea of what God wants you to be. And what his soul desires, even that he does. And he performs the thing that is appointed for me. You don't have what you have because you've got it. You have what you have because God gave it to you. Amen. You don't even own the breath in your lungs, young man. Amen. He owns it. That's right. he don't own, you don't own the beat of your heart. We're walking around this world acting like we own it. We don't own nothing. The breath in my lungs, the beat of my heart, the strength in my legs, the money in my pocket, the house I live in, the car I drive, the woman I love, the children I have, the grandchildren I love even more. Ain't none of them mine. They belong to Him. He, he has appointed unto me. He has appointed for me. But you know what? There's a lot of people that ain't living in what God's appointed. You don't even know what God wants for you. See, that's the thing about getting saved. That's the thing about coming into the kingdom of God. You begin to find out what God wants for you, what God's appointed for you. He hasn't appointed sickness. He's appointed health. He hasn't appointed sin. He's appointed righteousness. He hasn't appointed sickness and, and disease and, and feeling bad. He's appointed health and happiness and joy. He hasn't appointed gloomy days where there's nowhere to turn and everybody hates you and everybody thinks you ain't no good and you walk around feeling like you're some kind of a second-class citizen. He has lifted you up. He's put you on high. He's made good things for you. It's not till you come into the kingdom of God that God's able to show you that He's appointed good things for you. Why do you have what you have, Bishop? Because God gave it to me. Why don't you have what you need? Because God's about to give it to me. He performs the thing that he's appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Don't change your mind. We need to be just like God. We need to be unique. We need to be of one mind. We need to be of one heart with him so that the enemy can't turn us. I was watching on YouTube the other day, something some of y'all may be familiar with, but they put this joker up on a horse to, uh, to break this horse. And this horse was rearing straight up, and about five different times, this horse fell down on this man. Fell down on him. I mean, everything. And every time that horse got back up, that little dude was up on his back. And I thought, my God, he's been squashed. 
by a thousand pound horse five or six times and every time that horse come up off the ground he that, uh, he was a little Mexican or something I don't know what he was but I'm telling you he just you couldn't kill him <laughs> God knows horse was trying every time he come up off that that ground he was on that horse's back until finally the horse just like shook its head and just went and just like I'm done one of us got to give this little Mexican ain't. <laughs> we have to get of one mind and we have to be determined so that the enemy can't turn us. Now, I have not got anything to do with horses too much, but I know a few people that do. But there is a contest between that guy that's up on the back of that horse and that horse. One of them is going to turn the other. Am I right? Now, I understand there's some tricks to breaking a horse, may in, include cattle prods and various things that I will not talk about because I don't know anything about it, clearly. All right? But what I'm trying to tell you is that when the devil decides to mount you, he's trying to turn you. One of y'all's going to break. He had a 1,000 pound horse and a 110 pound Mexican. This is all I was thinking about right watching this stupid video. There's a 1,000-pound horse and a 110-pound Mexican, and one's trying to turn the other. And at the end of the day, however long those three or four rides, no matter how hilarious they were, no matter how scary they were, at the end of it, the 110-pound Mexican won over the 1,000-pound horse. And sometimes when we get in the middle of whatever it is we're going through in our life, we feel like the 110-pound Mexican on the back of the horse. The devil's bigger than you are. He's got more available to him than you do. We, we think, that's what people think. But you know what? That horse may have believed it. And everybody looking at that little Mexican may believe it. But that Mexican, he believed a different thing. The devil's going to try to turn you. And even though you've got hold and you're participating in this revival, I promise you that if it's not tonight, it'll be tomorrow or next week or next month, that the enemy will come along and try to turn you. But don't change your mind. No, 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 I'm going to ride you. If you decide you want to buck again, you may take me down, you may roll on me a little bit, but I'm coming up on your back. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're not going to turn me. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, and verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Don't change your mind. Don't change your mind. The cross was a thousand pound horse and Jesus a hundred ten pound Mexican. And when they put the cross up, Jesus was on its back. When they took the cross down, Jesus was still on its back. And when he came out of the tomb three days later, he was still conquering its back. He took all that today. I want you to know that you can ride that horse because Jesus paid the price. Just take hold of the reins and become determined. All right, devil, one of us is going to turn, but it ain't going to be me.
when you have the mind of Christ and you become one like He is, one with Him in mind, you won't change your mind. If you can understand what the mind of Christ is, you can begin to find it in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God doesn't have a bad thought towards you. God doesn't have an evil thought towards you. God doesn't have an angry thought towards you. God doesn't have a shameful thought towards you. God doesn't have an embarrassed thought towards you. God doesn't have a sick thought towards you. God has nothing that is negative towards you. But we're supposed to have that mind. Oh, oh, which half of you not offended? I want to know where to go to preach. Do you have a negative mindset towards somebody? Do you have an evil word to say about somebody? Do you have a judgmental word to say about somebody? Do you have a negative thought or word or feeling to say about somebody? I don't care what they're doing. Remember, Jesus don't care what you're doing. He doesn't have a negative thought toward you. But we're supposed to have that same mind that is in him. Do you have a negative thought towards somebody? You don't like my bow tie? That's what I thought. I'm going to tell people what you did to me yesterday. I ain't forgot about that. Could be why I'm wearing this bow tie. Anyhow, it was good. It was all good. I liked it. Anyhow, do you have a negative thought towards somebody? Do you have an ill word to say about somebody? That's not the mind of Christ. Do you have an ill word about the church down the road? Or this one? Jesus don't. Jesus is not mad at who you're mad at. He's not upset with who you're upset with. He don't dislike who you dislike. And while you can't see a way out for him, he has a way for them to walk out of their problem no matter where it is. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless him, God. Glory. I'll do my own shout and don't need you. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Do you believe that your brother can make it? Do you believe that they're getting as much as you're getting? Do you believe that God's changing them as much as He's changing you? Do you believe that they can hold on as long? Are you the only one that's getting it, Nate? They just don't seem to be getting it. Yeah, it's good. I only preach things that are good. See, I don't need to talk to you Brother Daniel Freeman, I, I think plenty of thoughts about people. But when I do, I have to come back and say, you know what, that ain't God. And Bishop, they may be your thoughts, and you may be thinking them, and they may seem all self-righteous to you, but that ain't God. While I'm figuring how we're going down, God's figured a way out. While I'm figuring how I'm going to protect myself, God's done figured a way for all of us out. I'm glad God don't show up in church and say, I'm here for 10 of you, rest of you on your own. That's how I do it. The time I took the 10 of you to the door, five would be gone. The time we crossed the lot, five more to just be me. When God comes in, He takes us all. I've come for everybody. When He hung up on that cross, He said, I'm here for everybody.
Ain't nobody ain't taking. I'm here for everybody that will. My God, don't change your mind. God's finally got me straightened out again. I'm almost afraid to go home to Ohio. I hope they're in the same mind. If not, they're sure going to get there just real quick. I don't want to leave out of this place. It's not just because we're in revival. I, it's like God's got my mind in the middle of where He wants it to be. And I don't really care about anything. I, just don't, want to, I, don't, I don't want to miss that place. I don't want to change my mind. Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through, 20, through 10. The Bible says you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. He said, however, I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have no other mind. Think about how important it is that God's got our mind where it needs to be and that we don't change our mind. I'm confident that you'll have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Now, we read that and we think, that's all right, I'll tell you what, it's Daniel. Mm -hmm. He offended me. He did things to me. And nobody knows he was mean to me. And so, but this, that's, not what that's, that's not what that means. What it means is the devil who is pestering both of us is going to bear his judgment from God. God's not going to come and kick you around because I want him to. Because you know what? We're both his sons. If one of us gets a beating, we're both going to get a beating. And if he lets one of us go, he's going to let us both go. But the one who's bothering you and me, if we got a problem with one another, ain't you and it's not me, it's the devil that's causing a problem in our life. God said, I'm going to judge the devil. I'm not going to whoop Daniel. I'm not going to whoop Bishop. I'm going to whoop the devil who's messing with my children. If you all want to know how Jesus feels about his children, you need to watch Medea movies. Hmm? When Medea goes out and gets on the school bus, because someone giving this child a problem, and she beats this lad down in front of everybody, you know, gives him whooping, and then tells him, I'll be waiting on you at the bus stop when you get off. Big, full-grown woman. That's how God treats all His children. He don't come to whip you or me. He comes to whip who's bothering us. That ain't Pastor Bill. Oh, I wish it was. Sometimes I wish Jesus would give him a beating, but it's not. It's not him. It don't matter where the problem is. See, we read this and we think only in fleshly terms and in human terms, and we think what God's going to do is, oh, somebody caused a problem. Somebody said something. Somebody So God's going to come get them. No, 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 no. God loves them like he loves me. He's going to come whip the devil who's bothering us both. Whatever you need, wherever you are today in following Jesus, you have to keep in your mind and your heart what he's spoken to you. I have heard and I have said with my mouth, even in this revival, God has said this to me. God has said this to you. We've received words from God where God has spoken to our hearts and our lives. But we've got to do more than just receive that word and rejoice in it. We've got to hold on to that thing. We've got to keep that in the forefront of our mind. You have to keep in mind what he said to you because the only way that you can be stopped is to change your mind. And he doesn't have to change your life and he doesn't have to change your job.
and he doesn't have to change your marriage, and he doesn't have to change your church. All he has to do is change your mind. Because as you think, here's what I think. I have the mind of Christ in me. What do you want me to do, Lord? Where do you want me to be? You know where God wanted me to be tonight, starting at 7 o'clock? Right here. And that's where I am. That's just one example. Where do you want me to be tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, God? What do you want me to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm not going to change my mind. I know what you said to me. God's about ready to speak some more. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. The Bible says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Brother Tim Akins, I don't know how many times I've gone to be able to troubled mind. How many times I woke up in the morning with a troubled mind, walked through my day with a troubled mind. And I think I gotta be troubled. Because I got all kinds of problems. I mean, that's how we get. But but the Bible says in Isaiah chapter twenty six verse three that God will keep me in perfect peace if my mind is stayed on him because I trust in him. Now, now, here's the problem. If I have a mind that is troubled, I must not have it on God. Now, how am I going to not change my mind unless I learn to keep it on God? That's the only way I can have peace. Don't change your mind. We have, stand up. We have divine favor. We have manifested victory. We're moving into that place that the Lord wants us to be. But we have a task to not change our mind. The last time that I was here, I talked to you and I talked to everybody in this church about changing an atmosphere. I spent two or three services, what we did, talking about changing the atmosphere. I told you that at that time God had given me a mandate that everywhere that I went, we were to change the atmosphere. And what that really meant was that we were allowed God to work through us in such a way that it changed the atmosphere. I preached to you about getting an elevated look on something, getting above the problem, the circumstance, the situation, so you could see God and not the trouble. And I remember whenever I left you that last night, I said, you know what, God has changed the atmosphere. And there's nobody here in those couple of services who wouldn't have said that God changed our atmosphere. But I said, you know what, you're going to have to maintain the atmosphere. You know that? Do you remember that? Does anybody remember that? Now, this is the danger about having one preacher come back. Especially when God is dealing because they'll remember what God said. And then we can look at one another and say, have we maintained that? I believe you have. I didn't say that to make you think that you have not. It's just you didn't realize what the change in atmosphere was going to do. You didn't understand when God said the atmosphere was going to change what you would need to walk in that atmosphere. But now we know. Now we know. What God has said to us in this revival is that we've got to get into a place where we don't change our mind. And revival says it all. When you understand revival, it says it all. You don't need to give any other explanation. It's not about atmosphere or anything else. It's about being in a place where God is making alive. Revival means to make alive. Revive means to make alive. And God is making alive. Now you are alive tonight not because Bishop James Marquis, or you're alive tonight because Jesus Christ has made you alive. He's made you alive. He's made you alive. 
I'm glad to be part of it. I'm glad that he's making me alive. But I'm receiving in this revival as much as I'm giving. Probably more than I'm giving, I'm receiving. Because God didn't come to drain one of us so he could lift everybody else up. He came to fill us all. And we're full. And God's not done. Would you, uh, would you, would you get this thing here? Uh, away from me just I don't even know where all my stuff is at go ahead and take that from me here a little bit thank you this is that time where you either get happy or you get scared and um man do I want God to do things tonight that are that are awesome and yet he spoke his word to us in such a measure at an intricate time in this revival because it's, it's going to continue to the best of my knowledge. That's what the Lord has said. But we have to understand that as we move forward and God begins to really uh, do things that are uncommon to us that we don't change our mind. And changing our mind is not something... The mindset that we have is not something we've developed in the last day or two or three or five. It's something that's been with us all along, and God's brought us back to our roots. He's brought us back to His plan, His vision, His purpose. He may have expanded it and given us much, much more that is going to develop into greater things than we can ever understand, but He always has to bring you back to that root. He's got to bring you back to what He said, I'm going to do. And find a way to launch that again in our hearts and in our lives. And um, I've saw the Lord deliver people. We've seen manifestation. I've uh, I was I've been overwhelmed by a lot of things and you know this corner has been kind of the it's been the laughter corner the prayer corner the dance corner for you know a couple services and we've seen things and a lot of things have touched my heart but I think that sister Lacey probably touched my heart just almost as much as anybody and things have been done because something happened in her life that's never happened before when she stood up here last night to testify I didn't understand the impact of her words when she said, I've never done this before. I didn't understand that. I mean, I thought, you know, a lot of people say things like that. You know, it's like, and, and it's to give impact. But I didn't realize that she was standing up there declaring her authority in Christ for the very first time. That's manifestation. As we've spoken to Miss Kim... We're not speaking to her. We're speaking to that thing that's aggravating and tormenting her that is dying day by day, coming off of her and leaving her life because we won't leave that agreement. We don't leave that agreement until it's done. There's manifestations sitting here. As we've looked at the young people and seen them, God overwhelming them, we're seeing manifestation that's going to change them forever. These kids will never be the same. They'll never be the same. And you and I will never be the same. And God's not done. He didn't bring you here tonight just so you could listen to this preacher rattle a little bit about this, that, or the other. He brought you here tonight because He wants to do something in your life. See, tonight, tonight there's at least four people here that God wants to set free of debilitating confusion in your life. I hate the word confusion. I have probably lectured Brother Zach Hitson more than any young man should be lectured on the word confusion in the last I don't know how many days just because we've had the opportunity to talk about it and I hate that word 
you could say the proverbial F word in front of me and it not cause me as much consternation as when someone says something about confusion. Because God hates it. He said He's not the author of it. He's not the author of confusion. Confusion is chaos. It is, it is out of order. God is God of order. He got so upset with the earth one day that he stopped and said, Let there be, man, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the confusion. It just rubs me raw every time I go past that place in the Holy Spirit. And it's chaos and chaotic and stuff. Let, let there be. And from that moment, he just starts bringing order. God wants to bring order to your life. It's not right for you to be confused. It's not right for you to have mental deficiency. It's not right for you to have things going on in your life that are robbing you of happiness and joy. Now, you know what? This is one of those places where people uh, don't people... You know, I, I want someone to pray for Miss Kim. I know that we prayed. Listen to me. I want to tell you how to pray, all right? I want someone, I want two people right now to go over there and get by our side. And I want you to begin to direct your prayers in this manner. I want you to speak to whatever's been holding on and commanded to lose her. You don't need to pray about her health and her healing. She's health. She's whole. She's healed. But what we're seeing is something that doesn't want to let go. It's blindness in the eyes of a man that Jesus just told to see. Yes? And Jesus said, do you see? I told you to see. He said, uh, something ain't right. Uh, I see men as trees walk. You know what the Lord did? He prayed again. He said, now how do you see? Oh, I see perfectly. He said, that's what I was looking for. What we're doing with Miss Kim is nothing more than Jesus did for the blinded man. See, it's already set in her mind, my mind, everybody else's mind that she is completely whole. So I want somebody to just volunteer right now. Come on, just, just, just volunteer right now. This too, that's, that's, that's enough. Go over there and pray what Jesus prayed. And when you pray, expect God to see some things. Expect it. Expect it. Expect it. Um, I don't like to call people out. I would prefer that people want what God does, but I am not above nor beneath calling someone out if I feel like God has spoken to my heart about them. So I'm going to give you a very brief couple of seconds if you want God to minister to your life, if you're here and you're confused, if you're here and you know that there are things in your life that do not belong there, if you're here and you want God to set you free tonight and there's something you need, I want you to come up here and stand with me. And I want you to know that when you come up here and stand, that's the first step of God doing it. And the second step is that He's going to do it. Now, if you don't move in that first group, then I want you to know that I'm going to take the liberty to tell you what God said without you coming. You know God's touched you two, three times. And I do know and realize that probably everything that you have needed should have been taken care of. I'm telling you what you need. You need to take those glasses off tonight. Okay? And tonight's got to settle it. Tonight's got to settle it. When I lay my hands on you tonight, Jesus is going to do what you need done. 
I know you want him to do it. That's why you walked up. Everybody. He's going to do what you need done. And I know that you think you have felt the power of God. But what you're about to feel is going to overwhelm anything that you have felt before. And God is going to begin to do in your life. But he's going to change your mindset in the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, receive. Receive. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, I have prayed. I have sought you and I have expected the opportunity to lay my hands once again on this young man of God. I come against the hurt and the pain. I come against the affliction the tormenting spirit. In the name of Jesus, right now, I loose you from a tormenting spirit would come against your mind and your heart. I do not know anything. No one has said anything to me, but I hear the Holy Spirit say that I will remove the root of bitterness from your heart and from your life. I have seen as you have tried to bring the joy again into your life, but you can't get past the root of bitterness. But I curse that root of bitterness tonight in the name of Jesus. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what words brought it. I don't know who or where it came from. It could just be life itself. But in the name of Jesus, I loose you from that. I bring again your joy. I bring again the power of God in your life. The rejoicing and the blessing of Almighty God. In the name of Jesus, receive it, Cody. Receive it. Young people, Jesus loves you more than you can understand. Come up here and stand with me, Brian. Come over here. Jesus loves you more than you can understand. Um, come up here misdecorated hair. Where's Isaiah? You awake? Get up here. Come here, Christian. You can stand up here too. This thing has grown night by night. And it's not done. It's not done. Um, the reason I'm starting with these guys is because I'm going to get to some other youth just real quick. I want all the youth to stay right here. Don't go nowhere. Stay right here because God, I'm, I'm finding my way through to exactly what God wants to say, what He wants to do. But these that are here, these that are standing here have already been under the power of God. 
And um, there's a wonderful demonstration of the Spirit of God. Isn't it? Isn't it good? Hmm? A little hungry for it? Remember, you couldn't handle it. This guy's had me on fire. Okay? He said he couldn't handle it. You've shown you can't handle it. There's a difference. There's something good about that. Because God always wants you to know. God always wants you to know that he's bigger than whatever you're dealing with. You believe that? Do you know that God still has a blessing for you yet? Look at that. Look how it's growing. There's another one. This one here, this, this is the freaky one. She came through the other night. I don't know where she had been. Probably somewhere she shouldn't have been. And she come right down this aisle. And she come around here. When she come around, she just looked up at me. And I looked down at her. And it's just like God locked our eyes together. And she couldn't quit looking at me. And I just reached over to try to touch. Just like, whoop, gone. I don't know what he's doing. But I know he's doing it. And I know that, that what they're seeing, they want more of. Do you want more of that? And you, you're ready to get some, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you see how sincere this is? The question is, are you ready to let the Lord take you to a new level? Would you right now, right here in this place, in front of everybody that's here, just let Jesus just do whatever He wants to do in your life? The last time we talked, you wanted God to make sure that your mental faculties were where they belonged. You know, He touched you, right? And He said He's changing everything about you. Are you ready for God to do something bigger in your life than you've known? Would you let Him do it? Now, I knew the other day at the school, I almost got up and laid my hands the other day at school, but I was right there in the schoolhouse, God had done it. You know what I mean? Because His power is real. He loves you. And He's about to change everything again. And tell you what He's going to do. You believe Him, but He's going to make everyone else who sees you believe it. In the name of Jesus. Stay right there. It's good. Stay right there. It's okay. In the name of Jesus. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Hmm. Hmm. Look. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in these hearts. Make them hungry, God. Make them hungry and give them understanding. In the name of Jesus, make him hungry, Lord, and give him understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, man. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Touch him, Lord. Make him hungry. Give him understanding. Give him understanding, Lord. Hallelujah. These students from the school, you care if I talk to you? Do I have your permission? Uh huh. This means uh huh. Uh huh. This means uh huh. This means no. Do I have permission to talk to you? Yes. Would you get out of there and come up here? Don't be afraid. Just come here and talk to me. See, here's what's going to happen. You don't come up here and talk to me. I'm come back here and talk to you. And there's more room. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. But I'm going to ask you to. Ain't nothing going to happen to you. If I'll tell you what, some of the kids have been blessed, and I've scared a few of the children, and I didn't mean to do that. 
Are you okay? I'm, I'm not even going to touch you. I want you to know touching you is not a requirement. God can do it and I don't even touch you. Okay? You look a little jumpy. Like, huh? Why are you jumping? Tell me. Do you know the Lord? Have you asked Him to come into your heart? And be the Lord and the Savior of your life? Have you asked Him to do that? Why? Why? Because you haven't been here. Do you feel alone? Lonely? And like people don't notice you sometimes and you're just in your own little world? No? You have a lot of friends then. Somewhat. So you're a little bit socialite. Yeah? Okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's good. And let me ask you a question. If you could trade all the trouble that you got right now, even though you wouldn't let no one know you have trouble. See what the Lord tells me is there's some problems way down in your heart, some real questions that you have. And uh, you don't know the answer to them, and you can't give the answer to them, and you're even afraid to ask anybody to give you the answer because you don't want them to know the thoughts of your mind and of your heart. Mm -hmm. What if I told you that Jesus Christ has the answer and he's able to give you the answers that you need right here in your heart and in your mind? And he's able to clear up those things that you don't understand and those things that you don't even want, the thoughts you don't even want and things you've been exposed to. What if I told you you could trade all that tonight for a relationship with Jesus? Would you give him a try? Would you let him prove himself to you? Would you give him a period of time? What's your name? Marissa, would you give Jesus time to prove to Marissa that he's real? Without anybody pushing anything on you? with anybody forcing you to think anything you don't want to think, but someone that can give you the answers to that's going on down in your heart that you can't even ask anybody about. Would you give Jesus a little bit of time to show you who he is? Would you? Would you take my hand? You ain't going to fall down yet. This, this is all your friends. I'm only stranger up here. and we, Okay, you good? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Jesus over the next week to let things happen in your life to show you who he is and to begin to give you answers to the questions that you have and to help you to figure out the things that are troubling you that you don't want anyone to know about. Okay? You believe he'll do that? I hope so. That's good enough. Jesus, as I come to you right now, Lord, and I take Marissa's hand, I ask you to be real to her. God, you're big enough for any challenge, and she's not challenging you, but I'm asking you that in the next week, you would show her your glory, you would show her your will, and you would become a real person to her. You would begin to give her answers in her mind and in her heart that will make her understand how real you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now,
Let your power, your glory overwhelm her. Show her your realness. Show her your glory. Take her fear right now in Jesus' name. Let her believe your glory. Just let her believe your glory. Just let her believe your glory. Oh, you. You, I've been waiting on you. Come over here, you. What's your name? Ethan. Have you ever asked Jesus to be your Lord? How come? I'll tell you why. Because you ain't like everybody else. And you've watched everyone else around you be and do things, and you looked at yourself and said, that's not how I am, it's not who I am. And I've got things, and I've got thoughts, and I've got feelings, and I've got all kinds of things I don't even understand. And it's bothered you and troubled you to the point that your mind has been darkened, and your heart has been darkened, and you've begun to feel so little about yourself, and so low about yourself that you haven't really cared. Oh, you've been independent. You've been very positive about who you are. That's not what I'm talking about. What you present for all of us to see and what's going on down in your heart, that's two different things. And while you're presenting a very positive atmosphere to everybody else maybe a little trouble here a little trouble sure you're just a teenager but down in your heart there's some real deep confusion and I hate that word there are things that you want to be and things that you don't want to be there are things that you want to see and things you don't want to see there are things that you want to think and think and things you don't want to think and there are times you've looked and said I don't even know why am I why when people have looked at you, and God knows what people say, right? They make you feel like you're not worth a thing. Oh, but you're worth something to Jesus because he has a call for your life, Ethan. He has something that he wants to do in your life. And a lot of the reason that you have had an attack, literally since the day you've been born, the enemy has sought to turn your life in a different way because he doesn't want you to come into the fullness of what God has for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has a plan for people to come into this world? Let me ask you a question. You okay back there? Good. Wow, isn't that amazing? Things like that. That's number one to Jesus showing you that he's real. Now back to you, Ethan. Um, here's what I want. I want you set free tonight. I want you to be tonight who God called you to be. I don't want you to wrestle no more with who you are. What you, I don't know you. You can look and say, you don't even know me. Dude, you don't even know who I am. Oh, no, but I know the God who knows you. And what I'm talking to you about tonight is coming out of His heart for you. He loves you like you cannot imagine. He's for you, not against you. It's never been His plan for you to be confused or disturbed or troubled. It's never been His plan for you to feel like you're not worth anything, even though you present to people that you are. In your heart of hearts, you think, man, I'm, I must not be any good. But the Lord says you're good. And the Lord says He has a plan for you. And I'll tell you what He's going to do for you tonight. He's going to straighten out your thinking. He's going to straighten out your feelings. He's going to begin to reveal himself to you. 
You see, God has no problem with proving himself to people, none at all. As a matter of fact, he prefers people that don't just accept what somebody says. That's willing to walk with him down the road enough that he says, I'm Jesus Christ and you're Ethan and we've got a way to be together here. To show you what his plan for your life is. But first I want to offer you the opportunity to ask him into your life to be the Savior and Lord of your life. Because one of the most important things that can happen is that you surrender your life to him. Okay? He's not after our fun. He's not going to make you dress Amish. He's not going to, you know, you know, take away all the fun in life, okay? And I'm not saying if there's any Amish here, please don't be offended at me. I don't, you can dress how you want. We have some that are close. But anyhow, <laughs> I want you to know that the Lord is not after our lives. He's after our soul. And I want God to prove himself to you. Now, maybe I'm up here talking about things that, People could say, you can't prove that. But I don't need to prove it to you because you know that I'm right in the middle of your heart tonight. And I'm right in the middle of your heart tonight because Jesus Christ is right in the middle of your heart tonight. He made you. He made you, everything about you. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you. It don't matter what you think about you. It matters what he thinks about you. And I'm not trying to embarrass you. You know that but family here. This is his family. But I want God to do something for you. I want God to help you to be who he wants you to be. I want you to feel productive in life. I want you to feel like I'm worth something. And my heart's been broken since I drove in this parking lot tonight and I saw you and God began to talk to me. I had no idea who you were or anything else about you, but God began to speak to my heart. And he said, there's a young man right there that doesn't think he's worth much. And I want you to tell him before you leave this house tonight that he's worth everything to me. Do you believe Jesus can change your life? Would you want to belong to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I want you to be in my heart and in my life? Would you trust him to surrender your life to and say, show me what you want me to do in life and take away this confusion and help me to know? Then I'm going to ask you to take my hands. I'm going to pray for you. I said, okay. I'm going to pray for you. And when I'm done praying for you, and I want you to pray with me. I don't want you, are, 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 you're not ashamed, right? Do you have a voice? I don't think I've heard it. So yes, I'm Ethan. Okay, there you go. I hadn't heard it yet. If we can't have fun, why be here, right? But this is a serious moment. I want you to say, because listen, more real than any of us in this room is Jesus Christ. He's the one that you're feeling. I can't make you feel nothing. He's the one you're feeling. And he's ready to hear you. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to forgive me. I want you to come into my life. I surrender my life as best I know how. I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. End the confusion that has been in my life and help me to trust you. And from this night forward, I accept you as the Savior and the Lord of my life. 
I turn from my sins and all wickedness and I accept your master plan your grace for my grief your grace for my weakness your grace for my wickedness and Father God in the name of Jesus I am yours Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, as I come to you right now, Lord, and I lay my hands upon Ethan, I'm asking you, God, by the power that is in your glory and in your name, show him your will. Anoint him. Begin to reveal yourself to him. Let the power and the anointing of God overcome him. Remove his fear. Let him relax in your power and change his life. In Jesus' name. 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 Is there anybody else tonight that needs anything from Jesus? You want prayer? You. You need prayer. I'm telling you, things are happening. Look what's happening. Do you understand what just happened? Somebody's gave their heart to Jesus, man. We're all standing around looking like, hey, where's the manifestation? I want to get out on Facebook and say, to whom it may concern. Initials DF. Manifestation has happened. Every night, because Jesus is here. I feel him. I feel that power coming in. God ain't done. They're just... There's more. There's more. Come here, young man. Hey, you okay? You believe? You understand what you've done? Congratulations. Give him a chance to show his story. Okay? Come Someone will go out here and say, I know, huh? What do you want? <laughs> While we're standing here looking like we need to go milk the cow, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Right? I'm sorry I'm picking on you, man. I love you so much. Someone needs to go tell there's a fire burning in Teleco. Over here at the Christian Center, people getting saved, people getting delivered, there's things going on. We're calling it manifestation. God, I feel the power of God to the young people in this church, and especially to the two brand new ones, Mr. Ethan and Miss Marissa. I love you all. Thank you for bearing with me. I want you to know I appreciate you. God bless you. And for all of my, my troopers, those that are coming up in God and doing awesome things, Miss Kim, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What do you feel in your heart? Go on. Is it good enough to go on? Is it good enough to go on? Okay, then, then I guess uh, if there's no one else that we can pray for. Man, I see hearts overwhelmed tonight. I, I see things going on. I, 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 we've laughed. We've cried. We've done all kinds of things. If he's not done, I don't want to stop. If he is, we can go home, but 
Revival tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Service 10. Right? If you think we don't have manifestation, go out and tell someone in the world, 10. We got people wanting to come to church for 10 services. All right? I am finished. Whoever needs to come up here and take care. Oh, what? What do you need? Who would? Who? You want who what? Tell me again. Father, right now, I want you to go get Uncle Jamie. God, God, if you can bring a daddy in after seven days of fasting and prayer, you can hear one young man's heart cry on service number nine of revival to get Uncle Jamie and bring him in. Now, God, go get him. Go get him, God. Because they're hungry. They're hearing about it. They know what's going on. Take down that wall of pride and show us your glory. Your Christian's prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anyone else? Anything else? I want to say publicly that I have picked on uh, Deacon Tim Aikens all night long, really for two nights. I don't make any apology, but I do want you to know it's been in love. All right. <laughs> Tomorrow night. <laughs> Tomorrow night when? Oh, I might be there. Give me a little drink of it. Oh, they're all right. God bless you. Uh, Brother Zach, uh, whoever. Brother Daniel, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.